Back in the early 90s, in fact, 1990, I was preaching at a little church in the area. And that's when I met a friend that I'm going to call Jeff today. Uh, Jeff was also preaching at a little church in the area. Jeff and I were the same age. We were just starting out in ministry, and both of us were in way over our heads, but trying to do our very best. And Jeff needed some encouragement. He had been through a very rough time. His wife had left him, and it had broken him in a lot of ways. And so he and I would get together for dinner, and we would talk, and we would pray, and we would laugh together. We would call each other up and check on each other. And it had been a long time since I'd heard anything out of Jeff. It had been a very long time. I hadn't heard anything. And I remember one night, it was a Sunday night in January, I was getting ready for bed and the Channel 3 News was on. And the first thing I saw on the Channel 3 News that Sunday night was Jeff's picture, Jeff's face. And the newsreader came on and said, a central Illinois church is asking, have you seen our preacher? And what I found out that night was that that morning in January, Jeff had gone to the church, he had unlocked the church, he had turned the heat on, he had laid the bulletins out, and then he had simply walked away. He had disappeared and no one knew where he was. And I wish I could tell you that his story was unique, but it's really not all that unusual. Last week, looking at the book, I am a church member. Last week we were on chapter 3. Chapter 3 says it's not about me. It, it's not about me. This week we're on chapter 4, and chapter 4 says I will pray for my church leaders. And as I launch into this, let me say this, it's not about me. It's still not about me. This is about our church. This is about a lot of churches. And it's about the reality that as the body of Christ, we need to hold together. We need to hold to one another. The pledge on page 52 of this chapter, the pledge says, because my pastor cannot do all things in his own power, I will pray for his strength and wisdom daily. Because my pastor. Now most of you know, I don't like being called a pastor. I've never liked the title, the, the title pastor for me. Biblically, I know, biblically the word pastor is applied to the elders, to only the elders of the church. They are your pastors. However, I've come to understand and I've come to appreciate reluctantly that in our culture today, the term pastor has been appropriated for people who do what I do. And it probably doesn't help when someone refers to me as the pastor of the Kansas Christian Church and I say, well, actually, I'm not the pastor because ultimately they don't care. Uh, they, they know who I am and they know what my job is. But but when it comes to church leaders, we're talking not just about the preacher, we're talking about elders, we're talking about leaders, we're talking about trustees, we're talking about teachers, VBS leaders, servant leaders and others. Every one of us feels the weight of our work. Every one of us struggles with the decisions that we make and every one of us needs your prayers. I will pray for my church leaders. This, this chapter gives us an absolutely wonderful outline of the different areas of prayer to, to be lifting up for, for your church leaders. Areas where everyone in leadership feels the stress and feels the strain. And areas where, where too often those stresses are kept to ourselves. 
because we think no one would understand. And then, and then something breaks, like it did with my friend Jeff. All church leaders need prayer. And these prayers are vital. These prayers are necessary. And these prayers are loved. And they are appreciated. And so as the chapter begins, Tom Rainer begins with where we need prayer the most. Pray for us and our families. Now I want to remind you that the story I told you about my friend Jeff, that, that occurred in 1990. That occurred well before we had cell phones or access to the internet or email. Uh, well before we were tracking each other. Uh, it was truly dark time. It was a difficult time to live, if you recall. Uh, and so when Jeff disappeared, he just disappeared. There was no way to find him. I ended up calling a mutual friend that night and he had not heard anything. And I was up most of the night praying for Jeff, worrying and wondering and just hoping for the best. And the next morning I woke up and I called a friend, a mutual friend, someone who had been a mentor, an older friend who had been a mentor to Jeff. And he said, yeah, they found him. They said he left the church and he checked into a hotel room in Champaign. And he was just sitting there sitting and, and thinking and wondering and, and, and crying. And that night he saw his face on the news just like I had. And he said now he's embarrassed. Now he's humiliated. We, Eric read for us from, from uh, Revelation 13 earlier, but I want to take us to 1, Corinthians, or excuse me, 1 Timothy 3. It's in 1 Timothy 3 that Paul lists the qualifications for an overseer or an elder or a pastor. And in 1 Corinthians, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, Paul writes this about those who would be potential leaders in the church. He says, He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? Can you feel the stress in those two verses? Can you feel how stressful those two verses are. Can you feel the responsibility? Add to it that, that ministry families often feel like they are on display, like they live in a fishbowl and every fault, every failing, everything gets seen by everybody. Nothing escapes the scrutiny of the public. I'll be citing from some polls done of pastors, of, of those in pastoral ministry. And in one poll that was taken, 33% of pastors polled said that their adult children are no longer actively involved in church. 33% of pastors polled said that their adult children are no longer actively involved in church. No one does statistics on elders' kids, but I have to feel like they're not that much different. Because in many ways, the, the children of elders have seen and heard the church at its absolute worst and many of them walk away and say if that's what the church is I want nothing to do with it the last verse that Eric read for us Hebrews thirteen seventeen says obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you none of us want to groan but what we really don't want is we don't want our spouses groaning, right? We don't want our wives to groan, and we don't want our, our kids to groan either. I, I'm speaking for me and, and our elders when I tell you our wives need a lot 
of prayers. It is very important to us that our wives don't groan. It, it's very vital to us that they don't groan. Page 47, Tom Rainer writes, We are church members. We must be the prayer intercessors for our pastors and their families. Few families face the kind of pressure and expectations as the families of pastors. We have a wonderful group of people who meet here every Thursday morning for prayer. How many years has it been? Can anyone tell me how many years? 36 or 37 years. When Dave Butt started, they started praying. 36 or 37 years. They meet every week for prayer. Every Thursday, they are here for prayer. And very often, we kind of do a changing of the guard thing. They're leaving as I'm coming in, and we change the guard. And one of the things that almost every week those people will tell me is, we're praying for Connor. They'll almost every week, they'll say, we prayed for Connor today. We, we prayed for Connor, and I am so blessed by them. I can't tell you how much that means to know that, that you're praying for Connor. <clears throat> Connor, who apparently had another appointment and had to leave this morning. Uh, I'm thankful for Connor for many reasons. One of the reasons I'm thankful for Connor is I have a hard time remembering things, but I can remember Connor's birthday usually. Connor just turned 17 years old two weeks ago. 17 years and three weeks ago, I came here to preach one Sunday. Just to fill in, you guys needed a preacher to fill in one Sunday. And afterwards, the three elders of this church, the three men at that time who served as elders, said, could we talk to you for a minute? Joe Harmon, Bob Probst, and Jerry Helsley. And they took me into the back room. Never a good sign. Uh, and they just asked me, they said, would you come and just be our preacher for six months? <laughs> six months. And I said, okay, you get six months and then I'm out of here. Because I got a sweet deal going on and, uh, and I don't want to mess with that. And I said, but I can't come now. We're expecting a baby. I said, give me a week. Give me a week to, to get this baby born. And Connor was born and Connor was born 17 years ago and that's my reminder of how long I've been here, how long you've blessed my family, how many prayers you've poured out for my boy. And we've been so blessed. Pray for us. Pray for our families. Not just for me, but for all of our leaders. And as Tom Rainer continues in his book, he, he adds, pray for our protection. Pray for our protection. Peter echoes that. Peter says in, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. He says that in verse 2. And just a few verses later in verse 8, Peter says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around you like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. I think there's a reason those two verses are that close together. I think it's because leaders are targets, targets of Satan and targets of others. Paul puts it this way with Timothy in, in verse 7. Paul continues on and says of the, of the elder, Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into the snare, a snare of the devil. I think that's a great reminder that he must be well thought of of outsiders. The church is not closed off. We are not, a, uh, we are not closed off within ourselves. We are part of the community. And how those on the outside perceive us is important. How people outside the church perceive us has spiritual implications. And I think it's also a reminder that attacks can come from, 
outside the church as well as inside the church. We need protection from the snares of the devil. And I'll remind you that a snare is not set up by accident. No one accidentally sets a trap. A trap is laid on purpose. A trap is laid with the purpose of catching something. Traps and snares are not accidental. They are not circumstantial. They are set on purpose with the, with the purpose to trap, to kill, and to destroy. I can tell you about my friend Jeff. Before he left that morning, that Sunday morning, he was under a lot of stress. And a lot of that stress came from a snare that had been set for him. And that, the, that worst snare, that snare that had been set for him, was set by his church. There had been a moral failure. I don't want to get into all the details of it, but there had been a moral failure in that church that cost Jeff his marriage. That church had unwittingly set a snare for Jeff and his family, and yet he continued to serve there. He continued to be their pastor until that one day when he no longer could. Let me read... Hebrews 13.17 again, they keep watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. There is a stress of accountability in those words and all of your leaders feel that. They, they feel that responsibility. Pray for our protection. Pray for our protection inside the church. Pray for our protection outside the church. Uh, far too often when, when we pray for protection, when we ask you to pray for protection, uh, we're asking that you pray for the protection from the worst that not only the world has to throw at us, but the worst that the church has to throw at us. We, we take things very personally. I can tell you that for myself. I can tell you that for our elders. We take things very personally. Tom Rainer says on page 50, <clears throat> we are church members. We are church members. We will pray for the protection of our pastor and other church leaders. We will do all we can through prayer to keep our pastors out of the devil's trap. Pray for our protection. And then Tom Rainer moves into one other area where your church leaders need prayer. Pray for our physical and our mental health. Pray for our physical and mental health. Two months ago, a young pastor named Jared Wilson ended his life by suicide. And just over a year ago this month, just a little over a year ago, a, a young pastor named Andrew Stockline ended his life by suicide. And I wish I could tell you that's the only two I know of, but it's, it's not. We all know better. I shared some statistics on Facebook this morning. 70% of pastors constantly fight depression. 70% of pastors. 80% are discouraged. 50% are so discouraged they would completely leave ministry if they could, but they have no other way to make a living. Let me tell you something. Uh, a master's degree in Bible and theology, no one's beating down your door asking you to come work for them other than churches. <laughs> They're not beating down the doors either. This is, my, this is the one that just is the saddest to me. 70% of those in the ministry... 70% of pastors do not have a close friend or a confidant or a mentor. That's broken. We got to admit that is broken. 
If this was a business, we would realize we broke something and we broke someone. And again, I looked it up and there are no stats on elders. I'm sorry, no one's taken polls of, uh, of lay leaders and of elders. But I doubt they're much different except when an elder feels overburdened, he's got the freedom to walk away. He's got the freedom to walk away to, to begin attending another church. He gets to keep his job. He gets to keep his home. Hebrews 13, verse 17 says, they keep watch over your souls. That literally means they lose sleep over you. You hear that? They lose sleep over you. And I can vouch for myself, and I can vouch for our elders. It's very true. We have lost sleep over this church. And at times it is taxing. Rainer goes on on page 50 and says, we should also pray for our pastor's mental health. And in this regard, I'm not referring to the opposite of mental sickness. I'm referring to wisdom. <laughs> Please. The pastor has to make dozens of decisions each week that require discernment and wisdom. He needs wisdom to know what to preach and teach and how to present God's Word. He needs wisdom dealing with us church members each week so that he can best discern how to respond to the plethora of demands upon him. There are stresses and there are strains in church leadership, but I have to tell you, there is also amazing joy. And I, I just want to say again, I cannot stress to you how much I appreciate your care and your concern for me and for my family. You bless us in so many ways, and, and I cannot thank you enough. And I can't thank, I can't thank our elders enough either. You know, it wasn't that many years ago, just a few years ago, I ended up, I got to spend the night in the hospital. Uh, and I spent the night in the hospital because of high blood pressure, but also because of stress. Uh, when all the tests were run, the doctors came back and said, Brett, there's nothing wrong with your heart. Tell me what's going on. <laughs> and I had to tell them. And it was at that time I decided to start taking the Ten Commandments seriously specifically the one that says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And I do my best to take a Sabbath every week as is commanded. And our elders hold me to that. And I have to tell you, other preachers envy me that I have that kind of support. Uh, other preachers wish they had that kind of love. There are other preachers though who will tell me, I never take a day off. Preachers actually say, you know, the devil never takes a day off. To which we respond, the devil is not your example. <laughs> the devil is, is not your example. He's not your role model. Jesus, when He was feeling the stress, He went away to quiet places. He got some rest and He prayed. That's our role model. As much as I love you and appreciate you, I have to remind you of one other thing. I don't know if you can see them or not, but I've gotten a couple of gray hairs. Dave, will you turn the light down? Maybe uh, leave the lights alone. There's a couple of gray hairs here. And I want to remind you that 17 years ago, when I started here, I did not have these gray hairs. And there's really only one thing I can, I can find as a reason for having them, and it's you. It's all you. You've caused these gray hairs. You're responsible. When I started, I was young. My friend Jeff and I are the same age. I was his friend. But other than friendship, at that age, I didn't have much to offer him. I didn't have advice. I didn't have any perspective. And his problems overwhelmed me. 
I don't know how good I really was for him simply being his friend. And Jeff's no longer in ministry. I'm not even sure if he's in the church anymore. When I started, I was the new young preacher on the block. And now, uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm one of the old guys. And one of the things I've come to understand is that the young preachers need me. The young preachers need me to hear them. They need me to love them. The elders know that I have a heart to not only pastor this church, I have a heart to pastor pastors. And they encourage me to take those guys out for lunch, to talk with them, to pray with them, to encourage them. I do my best to take a role that far too often encourages us to put up a door and lock it and say, you're not going to know me. You're not going to know my pain. I do my best to take that door off the hinge and turn it into a table. For me to do that, I need your prayers. We all need your prayers. The pledge at the end of this chapter simply says, I will pray for my pastor every day. And Tom Rayner asks us all to take five minutes a day. Five minutes a day, that's all. Pray for our preachers, pray for our elders, pray for our leaders, pray for our church. We want to be healthy. We want to serve well. We want to honor Jesus as His body. <clears throat> I love that passage that, that Eric read for us. Hebrews 13 <clears throat> excuse me, is kind of a catch-all. It kind of throws everything together there at the end of, of the letter to the Hebrews. It begins with, remember your leaders. Remember the lives that they lived. And then it ends with those words, Submit to your leaders. Keep watch. And in the middle, we get some amazing things. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's right there in the middle of that. But another verse that's in the middle of it all is in verse 16. And this is for everyone. Do not neglect to do good. Do not neglect to do good and share with others. Share what you have with others. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. I have to accept it's not about being the perfect preacher. It's not about being the perfect elder. It's not about being the, the perfect church or the perfect church member. It's about pleasing God. It's about doing good. What good can we all do this week? How can we serve others? How can we please? How can we not just please God? How can we make our Father proud this week? Will you stand with me as we pray? <clears throat> Father, we, first of all, we thank You for those that have willingly accepted roles of leadership in Your church. We thank You for their dedication to our family here and their desire to lift up Jesus. None of us are perfect. Every one of us makes mistakes and every one of us needs the prayers of the community to serve You. So let us never fail to pray for each other. Let us never fail to seek Your very best for each other so that together we might glorify Your Son. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And go in peace.